Today I sit down with Zora athlete Sam Hagen and we talk through the fitness experience events and our reflections about that. Enjoy. The fitness movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. We offer coaching and individualized program design, as well as educational content for coaches and athletes. It's all at one place, zorfitness.com. As a competition, right, TFX, as a competition for competitive folks looking for events to put on their calendar, I had a great time and I recommend it, right? You know, I was in RX Men and I thought it was a competitive field, um, kind of that like, upper quarterfinals type level athlete, at least in, in my division. Um, everything was run smoothly and it was kind of a good mix of the events that they promised us, right? With a couple surprises. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely some surprises and changes. And I, I think, I mean, as you know, I, I'm sure like more experienced athletes can probably attest to this more like it's it's common that things get switched in some form or fashion or like it looks a certain way on paper and then doesn't actually like shake out that way. Like the games the Oh, it's a 5k. And it's like, Oh, it's actually not 5k. Um, whereas like, there's always stuff like that where it wants to be like clean on paper. But then when you get into practices, it doesn't always run that way. Like (laughs) for us, uh, Texas got like hammered with a bunch of rain before we went down. So it was like, it was like, oh, it's a two mile run. It's like, well, it's actually a little over two miles. And then like the like for eight hundred meters of it, you're gonna be running through like four inches thick of mud. really thick like clay mud, where it's like a soft sand run almost, where it's really hard to like create any traction at all. So like yep. that kind of throws a wrench into what you're doing, but also like I mean that that's almost what I like about in person events is that things don't always go according to like you know, plan or like how it's written down on paper exactly. And it's like, you kind of have to be adaptable and make the most of it, which is kind of cool. Totally. Totally agree. I mean, I think just overall it was a well-run competition with good energy, right? Good positive energy. There was kind of that right amount of tension in the air where everyone that is showing up to that comp is really trying, right? Because they had to qualify and the sport means something to them, right? But it's not so intense that it felt you know, suffocating or, or cutthroat or, or at least, you know, I wasn't in the pro division, but that was my impression. No. And it's funny. Cause like, I, I think a lot of athletes are, are basically there to have a good time. Yeah, and, absolutely. um, that's probably not everybody's mentality, but like a lot of people that that's sort of like, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just sort of like sure. where you're at. Like it's not, it's by no means wrong to have fun. If like you're a recreational athlete, because yeah. like at the end of the day, like, I don't think anybody there is like getting, you know, their salary paid by working out. Sure. But, uh, sure. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to have like at a competition like this, I feel like there was much like a, a pretty solid depth of field, to be honest, like relative to so a lot of the other competitions that I've done, just cause I think they have a, a bigger pool that they're like, you know, a, a much larger pool of athletes that they're drawing from that because yeah. they have that qualifier. So it's like, by the time it gets whittled down to the people who actually, you know, have punched a ticket and then actually, you know, sign on the dotted line to show up to the thing. It's, uh, it's people who are pretty committed at that point, which is, it's a much different feel than like showing up to a competition where it's like, you know, the, the bottom half of the athletes are just sort of like doing whatever. And like, yeah. um, 
you know, like eating random stuff in between events, just like, you know, doing like stuff that's like so amateur. It's like, I'm obviously there's always going to be some of that stuff going on, but I feel like it was a lot of the races on, on both RX and pros. Like there was a lot of tight races because of that. Totally. And a lot of events that are coming down to a couple seconds, right? Yeah. And that was probably one of my like big takeaways was like, when, when I sit back and think of the weekend, it was like there, there wasn't a crazy amount of like natural separation in a lot of the events. So it's like a matter of like who could hang on to unbroken versus breaking like once or twice. And that was like the difference between like first or second or like 14th, 15th, you know? Yeah. And it was like, you know, I, for example, on the handstand pushup chest bar, I felt like I was going for first place, ended up having to break once that was 10th, you know? Yeah, exactly though. And it's like, so maybe we could start going through the workouts one by one, but, um, yeah, I mean, that one in particular, it was like, so it was, well, why don't we just go through linear? We'll, sure. we'll come back to that one. We'll yeah, put, yeah. put a little so, pin in that. Um, so day one was 2K row, 250-meter farmer's carry with, like, odd weight in each hand. It was 40, 70 for us. Um, and then a two-ish mile run that was, yeah, fell a little bit longer than that. Um, but, yeah, somewhere somewhere in the, around two-mile mark. Um how did you felt like that one played out in person? We already totally. mentioned like the the weird running through the mud and like the the actual course being pretty rough. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I think that event one played into a broader theme for the weekend for me, which was um, having to balance uh, going with your plan, right? Going with your plan in rehearsal versus racing in the moment, right? Yeah. So when you look at that workout on paper, you think, okay, the row is a buy-in right? It's going to be seven, eight minutes. And then there's a substantially long farmer carry and there's a two mile run, which is going to be well upwards of 10 minutes for most athletes, right? So my plan had been, you know, row at a controlled pace, push the carry and then make up ground on the run. But uh, kind of what happened in the moment, right, is I come off towards the back of the pack on the row because I'm going with my plan, but couldn't really make up any ground on the run. (laughs) There is a a bunch of mud and, and dudes ran fast right? Dudes rode fast and dudes and dudes ran fast. And so kind of my, my takeaway from that, uh, event was you can't always go with your plan. You can't always pace it. Sometimes you got to run the race when you're in the race, right? Yeah. And it's also like sometimes in an event like that, where it's like, and maybe this is true for all events, but, uh, especially stuff that's like longer where there is a little bit more like willpower involved. Yep. Like there's only so much willpower that's going to get you that extra strict handstand pushup where yeah. it's like running that like the willpower matters a lot more. So it's yeah. like in an event like that. Yeah. It was like, just kind of try not to lose too much time relative to the other competitors. Cause neither of us are like, you know, six, two row masters here. Um, so we weren't going to be rowing at 650 like on that 2K. <laughs> no, <laughs> but there were, no. and it's important to note there were probably 50 guys this weekend that rode a sub seven. Yeah, which there were there was a lot of people who rode really aggressively and then got off and, and e- either like immediately fell apart on the farmers carries or actually held on pretty well. And it was like impressive to see like how people put out like to start off like a. 20 plus minute effort with just like a seven minute 2k it's that was pretty wild to me to be honest um yeah yeah. but uh i mean besides that like farmers carry just i mean it 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 was basically just like 
if you didn't like lose time on there, it wasn't like you're going to make up a lot of time, but I actually probably passed like four or five people just by just like one, one break, quick yep. change. And it's just like, you know, speed walking the rest of the time. Um, yep. I think we both passed people in that section. Yeah. My philosophy there was I'm just going to hold on to these dumbbells until they literally fall out of my hands. Yeah. And then at some point they did. Yeah. And it's like, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter though. Cause like the next yeah. part, you don't need your hands. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you're just running and, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's also like if you go too too hard on that first part, you can't really play the game in the second part. Like meaning that like if you if you do like race the the row a little bit more, you probably aren't in the situation where you can really you know race the run. Where it's like yeah. you're just sort of like running at the pace. That's like I won't blow up if I run at this pace. Yep. Uh, where it's like if you treat the first part a little bit more conservatively, like we both did, we both thought we were going to have probably more than we actually ended up having, but uh, we thought we were going to have a decent amount to like, actually like try to cash people if they were out by us. And it kind of turned out where like neither of us really had in front or behind. There was not really competitors around us when we were crossing the line. So it's just sort of like, all right, we're just going to stroll into the finish line. Yeah, Yeah. totally. I think that's something, a, a skill that I realized I was missing in the moment during the event was not just running and knowing my own pace and fitness, but also looking ahead, seeing guys that are X number of yards away and thinking, is that person catchable? And if so, at what point do I turn on the jets to catch them? Yeah. Right. That kind of in-person running strategy. I felt a little bit blind on how to handle that. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things that obviously, like you're saying, it comes with experience and it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like weighing like I I feel I know how I feel currently at this point in the race relative to how I expect to feel at this point in the race. Like yep. for me, it was like I just ran through mud for the last eight hundred meters, and my yeah. legs are very very tired. Yeah. And I was not like I was expecting to be breathing hard, but like not like my legs just feeling like bricks. Yeah, my legs felt like bricks, and I was like. I'm going to try to catch these guys, but I can't push it too hard or I might fall apart and really like implode. And it's like, obviously you can't do that. And you need to be able to get to the point where like, if you do catch them, you can still run by them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's an important part of it too. And just the way it turned out, I think for both of us, it was like, we ended up just more, more or less kind of like holding to the pace and just sort of like coming across the line. And there was like really nobody on either side. And it's like at that point, (laughs) and I think, Brooke, my wife said that she was like, uh, yeah, like didn't look like you were like running that hard when we got to the end. I was like, no, because like, why would I, <laughs> there was no behind me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's like one of the, like across the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, unless you do something like a Z score, you're always going to have that where it's like, yeah. you're, you're fighting for places, not for, uh, time. like time. Yeah. So totally. d- very different than like training. Um, we're right. either trying to go off certain efforts, do it as fast as you can, which is always interesting. Yeah. And and that was day one for you. So how did you feel at the end of that event? Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely my legs were blown up. <laughs> um, I think for me, that was my worst finish for the weekend by a long shot. And so yeah. I knew that I had some ground to make up right on Saturday, but I also knew that Saturday um, were great events for me. Those were going to be some of my, my best events. And so obviously went to sleep with a little bit of like execution nerves, right? In the sense of, I know what I'm capable of. I just have to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rather than let's go out there and find out, right? Because these were all workouts I had rehearsed. And so kind of had numbers in my head. And 
needed knew that I needed to hit them. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing is like, uh, most of the workouts, except the final were announced and we did variations were like full run throughs of them to really get a, a good idea. So I feel like we all had a pretty good barometer with the exception of like what ended up being like the, the morning two event back to back one, which I yeah. think caught a lot of people off guard. So that one was, it was the first, well, technically event two, um, for Sam, cause I had to showcase it. Well, let me go over that one quick and then we'll, we'll yeah, come back. Please, we're, we're, we'll jump all around. So bear with us. But, yeah. uh, so the pro division had a, what they called a pro showcase, which was a three part event, which ended up being th- basically like an A, B and C. They put it in competition corner each as its own event, but like weighted for 33 points. Yep. It's like the highest, like essentially like a hundred point win. So it was like a max handstand hold from zero to three minutes unbroken, like Perfect. finding a max handstand hold in that time, I should say. Yep. And then uh, max triple unders, uh, cumulative across the next three minute window and then a final three minute window to establish max unbroken ring muscle ups. So I really like the structuring of the event. I think that it's cool to do things that are novel and different like that, especially if you don't weight them as crazy and you do like an aggregate score like they did. One of the things that was different was I, I expected to do fairly well on that because we've been doing like a ton of like handstand holds and I'm, I've always been good at ring muscle ups. Um, and I always liked jump rope stuff. So I was like, I, I knew I could do okay at all of them, but I'd never done triple unders until like they actually announced this. So I was like, well, I got to practice those. And like in my practice, I was figuring this out and I had been messaging them and like trying to strategize, well, how am I obviously going to get my best score on this? And it's like, I could potentially like sit out the triple under one and just go like for a big set and get like, you know, 95 or a hundred points on like a handstand hold. And then hopefully get like 95 or a hundred points on like the ring muscle up. And then like, okay, if I don't get really any triple unders or just do a few to try to like jump a few guys who don't get any sort of thing, hopefully it ends up shaking out really well. And it turned out where it they actually inputted the scores differently than I thought. Like they inputted yeah. as three unique events, each being weighted 33 points versus it being basically an average of three different events going in as a single 100-point score, which is what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. So. I was a little bit butthurt about that because I thought I was going to potentially win that whole event and I ended up only like winning the, the third part. But um, it ended up obviously sort of being a wash and there's like a lot of people. I don't know if I actually would have won that event or not at this point, but it's uh, it was definitely like there's little things like that, like we're inputting a scores and like how they're actually doing like the, the weighting system and things that like can actually make a really big difference at the end of a weekend yep. like that. Totally. And I think one other thing to flag from that event is, you know, Ben, you and I had done some research in the past on max handstand hold benchmarks and what we thought guys might be able to hit looking at the age group i believe it was semis a year yeah. or two ago yep. and guys there were hitting you know roughly in the 30 to second 30 to 60 second window was kind of like a semis level score and one thing yeah. that surprised me is from this past weekend at tfx you know pro men field maybe comparable to age group semis right was that all the top guys were well over a minute right approaching 90 second field is really elevating on that particular movement yeah, and it was also interesting. I, I haven't looked in at the individual scores yet, but one of the things that we saw with when we did that research before on the semis, yeah. H-Reap semis, was that it was like, you know, fi- above 60 or 50 seconds was like a big break point. And it was oh, like right. that break point where you like you kind of get past the, the critical mass of like competitors for for this was like well above a minute. Yeah, totally. Like maybe like right around where I was, there was like 
I was like, there's once or twice, like right around after the, like the 60 second mark where I like almost fell and like everyone was still up around me. I could like, yeah, you're not really looking around, but then like, you your sense. periphery, you can kind of see it, see it and sense it. Yeah. And like everybody was still up at that point. And I like saved it once or twice more and like came down at like 116. I ended up being a top, like I think six finish or something like that. Yeah. So there was just like so many bodies in there. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, a a 120 handstand hold is kind of like a a 20 ring muscle up mark, right? That's a great, yeah, way to think about it. Because it was the same thing on the ring muscle up. It was like all these bodies were stacked up right around like the... 16 to 18, everyone's in there. Yeah, Yeah. 16 to, yeah, 18, 19 range. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of people because they, I mean, again, that wasn't completely fresh. A little bit of fatigue from triple unders, a little bit of tricep stuff from handstand hold so um yeah it was, it was interesting to see i i liked it besides thinking it was gonna be scored differently than it was yep. i really liked that event and i think it was yep. still executed well um yeah so I, I again games have done that where they've done like a skill medley and then have a some sort of a an aggregate score which is i think a really cool thing way to do it yep i agree sweet uh let's move on to day two uh you want to like describe that the back-to-back event Sure. So there were two events back to back, each with an eight minute time cap and with a four minute uh, rest in between. So if you finish the first event under the cap, you get a little more rest. First event was inverse, which was two couplets, one with chest to bar and increasing weight dumbbell snatch, the other with deficit handstand push up and increasing weight dumbbell snatch. And really what it was, was um, an unbroken gymnastics race, right? Unbroken chest bar and then unbroken deficit handstand push up with what were ultimately irrelevant dumbbells uh, in between. And then the second event was heavy sandbag squats uh, in a ladder format, uh, ascending and then descending back, uh, alternating with a heavy jump rope. Um, so what was interesting about the first event was I think for really any guy in call at the top half of the RX men's field and pro too, it was effectively a sprint. Right. So every guy was coming in under five minutes. Right. And so the question was, can you go unbroken on those 30 deficit handstand pushups or the 10 sets of, or the three sets of 10? Right. Um, so I think a kind of uh, interesting takeaway for me from a training perspective from that event was the balance between um, kind of focusing on one's own fitness and pace and replicating what you've done in training versus keeping an eye on the guys around you and actually racing. Right. Yeah. Because when you're walking back and forth to the dumbbell on the pull-up bar, when you're upside down doing deficit handstand push-ups, it's basically impossible to know where the other guys are. Right. But that event came down to a couple seconds. Right. So in hindsight, I think about if I had known that other guys were right next to me, could I have transitioned a little faster? Could I have kicked up on the wall a little faster? Right. Those are the kind of things I'm thinking about when I reflect on what could have taken me from like a tenth to a second. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like the only time that you really got a feel for where the the field was at was as you were coming off like your handstand push up or like your your uh, pull up bar and like walking towards your dumbbells or running towards yep. the dumbbells. You could kind of again kind of get an idea of where like the other competitors were if they're already at the dumbbell versus you know you're kind of like running there with them whatever. Yep. Um, so like <laughs> yeah, it it was very much felt like it all came down to the last set of handstand push ups for a lot yep. of you know top top half rx probably yep. in most top, of pro, top like, like two-thirds of pro because there's still even people in pro who are worse at handstand push-ups than 
people in RX is just what other skills they have. Like there's a bunch of like long limbed tall guys who just really struggled on that because yeah, yeah makes sense. Obvious reasons. Um, so yeah, it, it was like <laughs> for me, when I came off that, that wall for the second set of, after the second set of handstand pushups, it was like two thirds of the field was either moving to the dumbbell or on that last yeah. or second to last dumbbell. Yeah. And I was like, Oh boy, I better do this yeah. last set unbroken. And yeah. luckily like I was, I was able to squeak it out and I probably didn't have one more rep in the tank, but then like yeah. that bumped me up. Like I passed two thirds of those guys in that, that window. And that's yeah. the difference there. Yep. And I had the opposite experience where I uh, couldn't lock out the last one inch of my triceps on the final, final rep had to kick down. And I mean, only one or two guys got me in my heat, but it was, it was good for 10, even though I started the workout, I was in dead last. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's a good, uh, example of how the little details like that over the course of a weekend, if you like are on the the good side of a few of those, it really jumps you yeah. up. Whereas if like yeah. you have a, f a few errors like that, it'll kind of spirals and obviously totally. go, go now, the other way as well. Now we ultimately learned that that workout was partially a test in and of itself and partially just pre fatiguing us for the next event. Right. Yeah, you had mentioned how like the dumbbells were irrelevant and they really were for that test. Yes. But I I think they impacted the the next part more, which Absolutely. again, each of those on its own, they're each fine tests, but actually like rarely do I like the back-to-back -back format. Yeah. But I think this one was executed really well because a the the first workout wasn't so so much general fatigue that it like prevented people from like doing anything well in the second yep. part, which happens yep. a lot of times. Um, or like you just have to pick one. Like that's that's always like not a great thing either in competitions where yep. it's like, oh, like you can. <laughs> I remember there's a games workout. It was like I think it was called Ringer One and Ringer Two, and it was like thirty twenty ten couplets or something along those lines. And it's yeah. like. James Newberry went out and just hammered the, the first 30 cows yeah. of the bike. And he like won the event and got like a bunch of publicity for it, which is like good for him. But yeah. it was like, you had to pick one. Like you yeah. could either do well in the first one or you could do well in the second. Where it was yeah. like, I like this back to back where it was like, they were contingent on each other and they mattered. And the general fatigue buildup did have an impact on the second part quite a bit, but it wasn't so much. Yeah. Like metabolic fatigue from the first part just like systemic that people were just like completely trashed for the second part however mm -hmm. it definitely definitely was impacted um yeah. the single owners were with a climbing rope that was cut off to like a jump rope length and yep. then it was sandbag squats 9 12 15 12 9 uh with those yeah 30 single unders uh before each set and a lot of people did fall apart on that <laughs> yeah about over over half of the men's rx field did not finish that workout in the time yeah now. Honestly, it was pretty devastating to watch people like people didn't carnage, look carnage. Yeah. Like people didn't look ruined going into the event. Yeah. Like what didn't, they didn't look tired when they were starting, yep. but people just fell apart. Yeah. It was crazy to see actually. I mean, even in the, the pro field, there was a lot of guys who just like imploded on that, which it's like, it's yep. 150 pounds. Like you should be able to continue to move it, but it was just like, I don't, for whatever reason, the, the combination of like that little bit of systemic fatigue, a little bit of tricep, it's like enough to like make the, the jump roping tough. And then also like it was like your, your legs and in, in butt and back were just so blown up from mm -hmm. the sandbag that like that combination just made that like jump rope. And then into your next set of squats, just like people just fell apart. Yeah.
totally. I think um, that one definitely felt what I liked about that test is that it was a true, it felt like a true fitness test, right? In yeah. that, sure, the weight mattered a little bit right on the back. Sure, the the skill mattered a little bit on the rope, right? But when I was when I didn't want to pick up that jump rope, it was because I felt like I couldn't jump because yeah. my heart was going 200 beats per minute. Right. That was the limiter, right? Which I liked. Yeah. I would agree. It was definitely uh you had to will your way through that one. There's no uh hiding from it. I mean, I, I kind of said to myself going into it, you know, I am not putting down this sandbag until it drops me. You know? <laughs> uh, unfortunately it did drop me by the end. But <laughs> <laughs> there's a great video somewhere of Sam rolling around in the dirt in pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was a tough one. That was a tough one. So for you, you had the, this big break in the middle of the day, like many yep. hours off in between your back-to-back and the next one, which was snatch and go. Um, and for me, it was very tight window. Yeah. Um, like maybe like 90 minutes between events, but less than that when you actually like include um, warming up for your next event and like flushing out from the previous one. Yep. And I I think a lot of people – and I think this is maybe a good example of where like something like the games, this would be a very different situation. And obviously that could be, you know, extrapolated to a lot of different things, but the professionalism and like warmups and cooldowns and like yep. how people treat themselves in things like that, where it's like, you just got buried by a workout, you know, yep. you're going to have to turn around and have another high output event in 90 minutes. Like, what are you doing in that time? Yep. That's where like a lot of people it's like, Oh, my legs are trash. And they kind of like, sit around for like 45 minutes and they realize, Oh, I got like 25 minutes till I go. I better walk over there. And it's like, by the time yeah. they do it, they're, they're like not primed and ready to go for their next event. Totally. Yep. yep. But, uh, for you, you had a, a nice long break. So take us through snatch and go. What was the the workout and what was your experience with it? Yeah, totally. So it was three, two minute intervals with a one minute rest in between beginning with a 250 meter run on a kind of track. Uh, and in the remaining time of the two minute interval, max snatches for pro guys, it was 185 for RX guys. It was 165. Um, I think the way the event was designed with both the 185 and the 165 bars was it really wasn't a touch and go event, except for maybe one or two guys, right? It was kind of a repeatability capacity, uh, you know, power output endurance test, right? And the run was also short enough that you know, every guy was coming through sort of in the window of call it 42 to 52 seconds. Right. And so, you know, that maybe is the difference of, of one or two reps. So I had much longer to prepare so I could rest, I could eat, I could stretch, I could flush, and then I could do a full snatch warm up. You know, I built to a two Oh five power snatch, right. To get the, the power going. And then I could do some strides in the parking lot, getting the running going. So can't say I felt great going into that event just from a cortisol perspective, but um, all, all was good there. And then I think for me, you know, just execution wise, like it was a good event for me. I think I'm pretty enduring on those like medium weight barbells. So I was kind of consistent across the three rounds. But if you look at the guys who who won, at least in RX men, they really came out with a massive set, call it 18 reps or 19 reps. And even though they fell off a little bit, right, they went 18, 14, 12 that first set was enough to hold them over. Whereas if it had been more rounds, you could imagine some of the smaller guys could have caught up. Right. Yeah. And it, 
Maybe if like I imagine what it'd be like to be like a super strong, powerful guy, <laughs> because yeah. I'm not all, not all that. <laughs> your uh, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like you know, just pretend it's like a, at a lower percentage, it's like one thirty five sure. pound bar. It's like yeah. th- that's kind of like how you do strategize it. You like go out mm-hmm. and you would do like a, a much bigger set, and then you yep. do like singles when you're a little bit more fatigued and just try to keep the cycle speed up. Totally. Uh, where it's like if it's a, a bar where if you get too much fatigue, you're gonna get buried by it, like one eighty five is for me. Like that's a it's a very repeatable weight for me to power snatch, but at the yep. same time, if I get too much fatigue, I will miss that bar. Yep. Um so it's one of those where like I think for both of us it made more sense to try to do fast singles with a, a consistent run. Mm-hmm. Um and we kind of mentioned this, it was like Yes, it was a running and a snatching event, but it felt very much so biased to the barbell where like you could be a big guy. It wouldn't really impact you to run a little bit slower. And then when you get to the bar, you can just rip it and get a lot more yep. reps. Yep. I think there was a good amount of kind of rehearsal strategy timing there as well, where um, in most of the events this weekend, actually, I felt that we couldn't see the clock or the clock was just somewhere, you know, that was inconvenient yeah. to look at, for example. And so you don't know, do you have 20 seconds left? Do you have nine seconds left, right? And kind of pacing out how many more reps you think you're going to attempt and whether to go for one more or whether that one more that you're going for is going to be after the buzzer and be wasted wasted energy, right? Yeah, and at the end of the day, like if you if you get we were saying this, like you can snatch in three seconds. So it's like three, yeah. two, one. It's like you, you hear them counting down and you grab it one last time. It's yeah. like those three extra reps is like you just jumped a third of the field maybe. Yeah, so was, totally. Yeah, that was one of the things like you there was really never a clock that you that I could see that was like a convenient spot where you could just look over and see it. Yeah, like totally. that totally. Ne- that never happened. So it was really interesting that uh yeah, it was like some, obviously some of the events it doesn't matter cuz you're just racing your opponents and trying to be strategic that way, but something like for example, if someone did, didn't wear a watch or anything on them yep. when they were running, they might not have any clue how much how far they're into the yep. run. Where at least we kind of you know try to navigate that and have a, have an idea. With, yeah, with like how deep you're. Oh, I'm you know eight minutes in this run. I probably am like I have another mile to go here. Like totally. simple things like that. But uh, like that snatch and go one, the clock matters a lot. So yep. it's like if you knew you had you know 15 seconds and you can get three more reps in versus you know you still have you know, 30 seconds I need to like oh, take another breath in between these, these, you know, singles. You don't know that you just kind of have to go off your gut and try to keep moving. And then you're, yep. when you hear the, the countdown, try to make a, an audible and go for it the last minute or the last second. A- absolutely. And I think maybe one other kind of competing lesson that I got from that event was I noticed in the briefing, they told us very clearly, if you starfish your power snatch, your feet have to come back under your hips. You need to move the hips, but I'm a pretty big starfisher on a power snatch and my judge was being very lenient, right? Yeah. Letting me kind of lock out the hips, but not walk the feet in. And so I just took complete advantage of that. And I saved, you know, I probably got two, three extra reps on the event just from that, you know, you taking advantage of the judge that I had. Yeah. And that's very true. It's like, they, they tell you one thing in the back, you go out and you talk to your, your judge. And again, this, this, maybe this is the organization at fault. Maybe this is uh you know, just random the nature of things. Yeah, yeah, random chance or whatever. I mean, bottom line is, I guess if it was maybe better communicated, it would have uh, yeah. been more congruent across. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't fault them. I think their systems were fairly good for the most part. But um, it it there was definitely differences between 
yeah, like when you got briefed in the back versus the, the night before versus when you actually got out there with your judge as to what. And it was like, you can drop the bar from overhead. Well, you actually have to control it. You can't drop it. And it's like, like that, that's a, that's the difference in the workout, whether you're, yeah. you know, fifth or 15th in that workout. Yeah. So it's like oh, yeah. little things like that make a huge difference. So like figuring out as an athlete, like how can I try to game this where it's like, I'm meeting the standard, but like no more. And I don't waste any extra energy. So it's like yeah. th- the way I try to do that was like, I'll keep my hands on the bar as it goes down and I'll just kind of like deaden the bounce of my barbell and like reset my hands and then go into my next rep. Um, But by the end of it, you realize that your judge isn't giving you any, like even like, you know, looks like, Oh, I couldn't no rep you, but like they're just giving you everything. So it's like, okay, just drop it normal by the end. (laughs) And it doesn't make any difference, but it's like uh, figuring out like where, if your judge is able to give you like a, yeah, some leniency or not. um, Yep. Which is like, it's tough. It's actually much easier to do that when you have a, an in-person judge like that versus like yeah. like one of the, the penalties online. that you're getting online, uh, which is another thing that we had talked about was like, man, if you get a penalty online, it's like if you were in-person and did that, it would be like, hey, stand up all the way. And it's like they yeah. give you one no rep and you self-corrected and it took you three seconds and that was it for your workout. Yeah. Where it's like, obviously, like the online format, you can people can get sometimes rightfully screwed and other times... Yeah, like it would just would have been a correction that they would have made like on yep. the fly and not not been impacted near as much. Absolutely, absolutely agree. So that was day two, and then yeah, the last two events on day three started off with Atlas. I believe these yep. were the same weights for both of us, which was yep. it was basically an imam of a a grant or a, basically a clean and two jerks. So from the floor, two jerks. Uh, it went 185, 215, 235, 255, 275, 295, 315, And then if you made it through all that, you could call your shot, meaning that you could choose what weight you wanted to put onto the barbell and, um, yeah, have like one final complex lift. Um, how'd you feel like that one played out? Yeah, it was good. I mean, from a, from a personal execution and just chatting with guys in the back as well, I think everyone going into that event knows the bar that they have a 100% chance on and then the bar where the probability is above zero but below 100%. Right? <laughs> so everyone everyone knows where that bar is. And so it's kind of managing fatigue and efficiency before that. And I think one thing that I was really thinking about was you know pacing and ep of every bar look the same right going into that event where I would, you know, come up, squat clean, two split jerks, immediately chalk for the next bar and sit and rest for 45 seconds, right? I noticed watching that event that there were a lot of guys that were kind of standing around, moving their bar around, jumping around, looking in the crowd and waving during their their imam, right? And you kind of like, kind of lose a lot of energy doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I'll mention that was really interesting about this event is you know that there's going to be a big bunch up of guys around 295, you know, right before and right after it, right? Just given the ability of the field. In the back, they briefed us that if you miss a lift, uh, the tie break will be the number of cleans. So if you fail, you know, let's say you fail 315, right? But you got 295. If you clean 315 a couple times in the minute, right? That that will count towards your tie break. What they didn't tell us and ended up being how they scored the event was that one jerk would count towards your score, 
right? So one jerk and one clean would be, and then a missed jerk, right? Would be worth more than five cleans, right? So it ended up being to your advantage to actually have hit one of the jerks, right? Um, so even though I ended up missing my second jerk because I had jerked it once and then cleaned it after that, I got the highest score of any guy that that missed 315. And thus, even if I had hit 315, I would have had like the same placing in the event, which is very strange. Yeah, it, it's always funny to see like there's there's certain events where like the tie break, it's like, why is it there? Yeah. Um, like almost irrelevant and like like to, at least like for an athlete to think about and like go yeah. after as like a target. Whereas yeah. like there's other ones that's like, there's gonna be so many people here that like this is gonna make or break your workout if you yeah. like do the tie break correctly or not. Yeah, totally. <laughs> especially in online formats. But yeah, that one, that one definitely mattered a lot just by the way it seemed like they designed the ladder so that so many people could do it that by the nature of it, it got really aggressive really quickly for like everybody at the same time where a lot of people at the same time. So yeah, everyone was just stacked up at like three bars for a lot of the RX and pro guys. And just thinking, you know, thinking to um, some things that are hard to replicate in training, right? One thing that I hadn't thought about was, you know, they give you a mat that you do your lift on. And if you step off the mat, it's a no rep, right? So I uh, tend to to save my jerks forward a little bit, right? And so I kind of realized during the event, like, wow, this is kind of less space than I usually give myself to clean the jerk, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of one thing. Or, or, you know, another thing that's hard to replicate in training is having multiple bars set up, right? And not having to change the weight yourself, right? Um, so kind of interesting to get to, to get to experience all that. Yeah. And there, there's some things that are more or less practical to, to do in training. Yeah. Like even like there'll be times where, yeah, I like have people and they, I make them lift on the platforms here and say like, if you step off the platform, it's a no rep yeah. or whatever, simple things like that. Um, but obviously it's not stuff you need to do all the time in training. Cause if you're strong enough, you'll just, you know, do it. But it's also just a matter of like knowing what you need to focus on, on so that yeah. you can actually like execute and not make, yeah. Like, a little error like that, that like makes a huge difference in your weekend. Totally. But overall, yep. I mean, look like, you know, lifting outside under the blue sky, you know, on a sunny day with a crowd. I mean, it's, it was a fun event. Like I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was, uh, the only thing that was re- kind of sketchy for me on that was my, my lifters are sort of like smooth on the bottom and I had all this dirt on my shoes from like yeah. walking through like literally the dirt. It's like a rodeo. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was very sketchy. The first split jerk I did, uh, that was like, my foot was like sliding out. So I had to keep like scraping like the, yeah. the bottom of like a basketball players, like always like rubbing their hands on the bottom of their shoes. That's what I was trying to do. But, uh, yep. that was a fun yep. event. Yeah. And, uh, the last one for me was six rope climbs. It was four times. So it was basically like a, it was an interesting format because it wasn't really a, a chipper per se, but it was it was six rope climbs. And then you like lunged with 70 per hand to a, a box, like 20 feet. So not a long distance. 10 burry box jump overs, lunge back to the rig area where you do 12 bar muscle ups, lunge back to the box, 12 burry box jump overs, lunge back to the rig one more time, 24 toes to bar. So quick workout. Not any room for air. It was basically like who could go unbroken. And the one thing that was, so this was the final, they didn't announce it until the day of the final. Um, the thing that 
in hindsight was really interesting. I think movement wise, it rounded out some things in a really helpful way. Like we didn't do like burpees or, or box jumps or, um, obviously like some of those specific hanging gymnastics movements already. But in terms of like time domain, I think it then started to skew it a little bit. It was probably, I think, uh, besides the showcase, little, which you like probably don't count. Yeah. yeah. It was like, I think like right. Yeah. Like four and a half, maybe ish minutes to finish yep. that. So it was like, we then had, I think three out of the, f- no, four, four workouts that had eight minute caps. Um, cause the snatch and go also was an eight minute window. Um, two of those were rest, but, um, yeah. And then it was, I mean, what those, those workouts themselves ended up being a little bit varied in their time domain, but a lot of them were still like in that four to six minutes. So it's like a lot of like that, like kind of power endurance sort of window where it's like, uh, you have to go out really hard and hang on to it. And it was less about like the volume separating people and more about like a specific quality breaking down. And if you're not able to hold unbroken because that thing like gave up pretty much, then it was like, you won't be successful. So it's like the uh, inverse one was like the, the handstand pushup. If you couldn't do all the 33 sets of 10 strict, uh, sorry, deficit handstand pushups and broken, that was your workout. It was like the sandbag. If you had to break that, that was your workout. If it was, and the last one was like, if your grip, blew up and you you couldn't do the last set of toes to bar unbroken you lost three four places it was yep. very much like if you don't have this you're gonna be bad off yep. um versus like other competitions and even like a lot of the qualifiers we see like the volume is sort of used to separate people where it's like if you're not able to keep smart sets the whole way through and kind of mitigate your fatigue that's what's going to be the biggest separator so i yep. didn't feel like there was a gymnastics test that was a volume separator for anyone it was more yeah. like intensity, density, like could you hold on essentially? Yeah. And I mean, you, you usually see in quarterfinals, if not even the open, right? You see like a that 13 to 18 minute kind of time domain, something with a good amount of volume, whether it's GHDs or rowing or, or something. And we had the really long event day one and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. It was... uh yeah, and I don't I don't know if that's design or if they just look at like trying to create like a variety of like movements and then like the the length of those things or what they end up being is maybe different than what they thought. I don't know if it's just different than they thought or if they were just okay with the fact that like a lot of them are in that time domain. Um but it was it was very interesting because uh what the pros got for their final is very different than what RX got. Yeah. So um the pros like I just described, it was MGW, monostructural gymnastics weightlifting. Um but like the the dumbbells weren't that big of a separator where it was like, um, well, sorry, it would have been, it would have just been weightlifting and gymnastics. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no cyclical, um, unless you count like a brewery box jump over. But um, yeah, my point being the RX got uh, a bike. It was like, I think it was fringe sport bike or something. Yep. The Raptor yep. bike, they call it. Um and it was like 25 cals to start and end that. I actually didn't get to watch the the RX mm-hmm. guys. Um, but like it, it seemed like, and Sam, you can give us your uh, opinion of this. It seemed like that really skewed like the final results of RX in particular was that like yep. a lot of like the really big guys who are just really powerful could rip through the cows in the bike and like just kind of like slog their way through the rest of the stuff where it was like that was the biggest separator. Yeah, I mean, you could have, it was one of those events where you could have sorted guys by height, 
and that would have been your finish order <laughs> on that on that finale. Yeah, and, and it was and it was just looking at the rankings of RX and watching that finale. There were some guys that were your typical kind of CrossFit size, maybe even smaller. You know, guys in the kind of five seven to five nine range um, who were who were high on the leaderboard going into that finale, and then you know they watch big guys around them do 25 cals in sub 20 seconds, try to keep up. And these guys start falling apart, like guys failing bar muscle ups, right? Because they went out at probably 1400 Watts on the bike. And that's what you had to do in that workout. Right. So it was a very strange finale. If you ask me. Yeah. And it was also, I mean, I just, uh, so like for the most part, except the pro showcase, it was like the, the pro and RX programming, we're aligned. Same, same weight, same distance, same, everything. Same weight, pretty much. Like, yeah, very little changes. That seemed like a really big change to me. And I don't know why that was the case. I'm glad I didn't have the bike, to be, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, and, and not to mention the amount of pain it caused those poor guys. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we were also kind of saying this from like a spectator's point of view. Like, I, I think sometimes people are like, oh, this is going to be super gross. It'll be great. And it's usually the opposite. Like, oh, this is super gross. It's not that fun to watch. I agree. Like, you're just waiting for the judge to put up their hand. It's not that fun to... You can't really see the race on the bike, right? Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely like the use of monostructural and even, like, machines in competitions. But I think you can do it in a way that it, it, it doesn't need to interfere with the, the spectacle. Yeah. Like you should still be able to see the race unfold even if there's a, yeah, like a, a stretch of work on a machine. You could have started it on the bike and then ended it not on the bike, you know? Yeah. End it with Dota Bar. Yeah, exactly. Something else where you can have it visually. Yep. Yeah. But um, overall, I mean, I had a really good experience. It was, uh, it was cool to be in a more competitive field than I have been up to this point and uh, definitely a lot of like learnings and uh yeah just experience that i i felt like was super helpful for for myself but then like for me i'm always enjoying like uh being able to like pass on knowledge to other people so like i hope that the the more of this kind of thing i do i can continue to like pass on that on um sam like what were your big picture any big picture like learnings or takeaways so far yeah i mean for me this was my first um, you know, in-person multi-day qualifier required competition. And there was a lot of managing game day stuff that, you know, required some, some, some thought right around food outfits, body heat management, because it was a cold rainy day, changes of shoes, changes of clothes, you know, hydration, bathroom timing, warm up timing, flush timing, all of that stuff that obviously we have some familiarity with from the intensity of, of the training that's required to be at that level to even show up to that competition. But over three days and in a new environment, I think there was just a lot of um, kind of planning and, and foresight required that uh, would have been mentally exhausting, frankly, almost as exhausting as the events themselves. Right. But, you know, coming away from it, I feel, you know, happy and motivated and, and like, I want to do more of these for sure. Yeah. Very good points. And I think also it's like all amplified when you have to fly. Like, yeah, yeah. like it, it's not like it's, even if it's uh 
you know, four hours away and you got to drive to it. It's like, it's just different than the fact that you just can't throw everything you want in your car and just go. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Or like if it's like training, it's like, oh, like I'll just go grab this thing that I forgot. And it's like, you can't do that if you, if you flew there or like for us, it was like the, our Airbnb was super nice, but it wasn't that close to the venue. So it wasn't like practical for us to like go back in between events and things, which is totally. like, obviously if you were at like a, hotel that would have been really close that would have been convenient that you could have went back and gotten in the quiet and the warm and like showered or like gotten you know whatever you needed in between events from that perspective but then it's like the kitchen situation would have been a a wreck yeah because like you're gonna have to like have all cold meals or you're gonna have to you know eat out every meal like figuring that out all of those things are like logistics that are because it's just like so far from what you normally do in your day to day. It's all, all that stuff's super stressful and it matters a lot. And I think, I think, you know, there are ways to prep for that, right. Where, you know, when we did the TFX simulation over two or three days, I was prepping like game day nutrition, right. I was like, I'm going to drink my Gatorade. Like I will on the, on game, on game day. I'm going to have meals. Like I do on game day snacks in between events. Like I do on game day. And I think that that helped. Right. And now all of those drinks and snacks I had leading up to the comp, I'd never want to eat or drink again. (laughs) Yeah. We were just laughing about this. Neither of us want to see a PB and J for a long time. No, please. No, I don't need any more Gatorade powder. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think like my, my big takeaway, right. Is, and this can apply for, for anyone doing the open and or quarters or, or big events like this is we all know when you're going into an event, whether you're playing to win or you're playing not to lose. Right. And so for, for some of these events, I absolutely was playing to win and I'll admit for a couple of them, I was playing not to lose. Right. So as you know, my kind of, I progress as an athlete, like more and more playing to win is what we want. Right. Yeah. Very well said, Sam. Thanks for doing this, man. It's been good, Ben. Um, thanks, man. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks for listening today. If you're someone who just started listening to the show, I would encourage you to subscribe so you can stay up to date. If you're someone who's been listening for a while, I would encourage you to rate and review the show. And lastly, the best thing that you can do to support our work is also the best thing that you can do for your performance. And that is by hiring one of our coaches. Until next time, stay the course.